Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. I hope you'll all come to the next live Not What I Signed Up For, the Afterbirth spinoff show about the ups and downs of coupledom. It'll be at the M Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, October 15th. And you should call the club at 326-856-0036 for reservations. One of the performers that night will be executive producer of Grey's Anatomy and Afterbirth regular Joan Rader. She's featured in the book, and her story is called The Long Hug. This version was recorded at the M Bar in Hollywood, California in 2010. So please welcome Joan Rader. The first time I laid eyes on my adoption group, was in LAX about an hour before we left for China. This was a group of people I'd be traveling with for the next two weeks. The only thing we had in common was the fact that we had, all 25 of us, sent our applications in to the adoption agency in the same month, earning us the group number 86. Now, as we waited for the plane to board, it occurred to me that these strangers, linked randomly by a shared postmark and assigned babies from the same orphanage, were, in some ways, my new family. I suddenly wished my doctor hadn't had to reschedule my physical, slowing down my application by a week, because then maybe I, I could have gotten in a different family, <laughs> you know, like a cool family. <laughs> Not like Ichabod Crane over there with his silent wife, or the loud redhead running up to everyone with a picture of her baby saying, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, and then laughing hysterically 25 times, the same line, the same laugh. No, I thought, please, no, I can't do this. But this being my new family, I was determined to be nice, so I turned to the woman sitting next to me, an older woman, all prim and proper, and introduced myself and my husband, Tony, my seven-year-old daughter, Maggie. Her name was Kathy, and I showed her my baby's picture, a beautiful one-year-old the orphanage had named Fushin Pei. We were planning to call her Sally. She showed me her, the daughter she was adopting, a sweet, sad-looking girl she was naming Jade. Kathy was nervous. The adoption process had been so slow, she never really believed it would happen. But being here now, about to board the airplane that would take her to meet her daughter, the reality was hitting her, and she was starting to wonder if she could do this. She worked for Marie Osmond, marketing the porcelain dolls she sells on QVC. And she wasn't sure how she was going to manage work and a new baby. She said her boss certainly wasn't going to make it easy. She was kind of a bitch. Marie Osmond, I said. (laughs) Marie Osmond's a bitch. (laughs) Kathy looked at me with the same sad smile I had just seen on her daughter Jade's face and said, Marie Osmond's a cunt. (laughs) Suddenly I relaxed. I was beginning to love my new family. (laughs) You can do this, Kathy. You're going to be great. You'll see. Once you meet your daughter, you'll see. You'll rise. I got up. We were starting to board the plane, and as I watched people pick up their carry-ons and walk away from the life they knew toward the one waiting for them in China, I thought to myself, we're all scared, but we'll all rise. There's a lot of mystery around exactly how the Chinese government matches babies with adoptive families. Once your application is logged in, your file gets in line and waits for its turn in what's called the matching room. A stack of 25 families who have been approved by the Chinese government meets a stack of 25 babies who have been deemed ready to be adopted. 
there's a rumor that they use some kind of computer program that scans the face of a baby and then scans the face of a prospective father or mother looking for similarities. Someone else told me that the officials pore over the documents and match other characteristics. This baby loves music. This family has a piano. Uh, this baby is said to be outgoing. This mother is head of the PTA. No one knows the real story, and China seems to like it that way. The official word is that many factors are considered and that the people making the match have a gift for knowing just what baby belongs with what family. You remember that commercial growing up where a white lady is picking up her husband's shirts from a Chinese laundry, and she asked the laundry owner how he's able to get the shirt so darn white? Ancient Chinese secret, uh, he says. And just then, his wife pokes her head out from the back room and says, we need more Calgon. Um, busting her husband, the white lady picks up the pile of shirts and shakes her head good-naturedly. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? I'm a little like her. I think it's more, it's, it's probably more like take a folder from pile A, a folder from pile B, make a family. I wasn't always so cynical. When we first filled out our application for Sally, I labored over my answers to questions like, tell us about you and your family. What led you to adopt a baby from China's? What qualities do you believe will make you a good parent? I poured myself into that initial application, explaining the difficult and dangerous premature birth of my older daughter, Maggie, the circuitous path that had led us to China, the fact that uh, my many years in therapy had taught me so much about myself and the love I had to give another baby. I sent it off to the social worker to review before having it translated into Chinese and sent to China. She sent it back with huge sections crossed out in red pen with her suggestions gleaned from years of doing business with China scribbled in the margins. Why don't you just say that you're happy, that you and your family are active and fit, that you chose China because you admire Chinese culture? I got the hint. So I did, and I sent off the application. A few days later, I got word that it had been received and was being processed. I was officially paper pregnant. About a year later, we got our referral, three small pictures of Sally and a few medical details. And now, uh, a month after first seeing my daughter's face, I stood in the civil affairs office in Chongqing, China, with Tony, Maggie, and all the other families, minutes away from meeting my daughter. It was surreal. Since I'd gotten her pictures, I'd stared at them almost nonstop. I emailed them to her new grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. Everyone was so excited, but it was weird, too. We love this child, or, or, or the idea of her, at least. But all we had to attach our feelings to were the pictures, three little mugshots. I was stressed out and protective, snapping at my mom as she didn't say just the right thing. Once I was saying that I had started to... Um, see some similarities uh, in Maggie and Sally, that they were starting to look alike to me. Do you know what I mean, Mom? Uh, can you see it? My mom paused. Yeah, um, you know, I see what you mean, except, uh, you know, Sally's Chinese. <laughs> uh, that's okay for me to say, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's okay, Mom. It's all going to be okay. I repeated those words like a mantra, and I believed them. But when our uh, guide in China came into the room at the civil affairs office and announced that the babies had just arrived from the orphanage and were on their way up in the elevators, my mommy calm left my body and was replaced by terror. Tears began pouring down my face. I'm scared, I said to Tony. I'm, I'm really scared. He took my hand. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. 
They brought the babies out one by one. They'd call a family name, and that family would go to the front of the room, and they'd bring the baby in, placing it in the arms of the waiting mother or father, and give that family a minute or two for photos before bringing in the next. And there wasn't an order that you could discern. It wasn't alphabetical or anything. So it was really charged and heightened. I can't even describe it, the stress. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I actually survived it because we were last. The tears had stopped flowing by the time I finally heard our name called, and suddenly, there she was. The orphanage director, a middle-aged Chinese man, held Sally over his head and presented her with relish, it seemed, like, like he had saved the best for last, like she was the baked Alaska at the end of the meal. He put her in my arms and said, Fu Pei, congratulations, she is big, nice and fat. We stayed in that room for about an hour, all bunched in family uh, groups, looking at our babies, smiling at our babies, kissing them, trying to reconcile the child in our pictures with the child now in our arms. Tony and I also had Maggie to take care of, and this had to be weird for her, but she was excited, she was happy. Sally was pretty shut down, although I didn't really know that then. She just looked at us all with this serious, serious expression that we tried to turn into a smile by jiggling rattles in her face or offering her Cheerios. Eventually, we all started to walk around the room looking at the other babies, talking with the other families. I remember seeing silent wife of Ichabod Crane, who I now call Debbie, holding her baby Lillian and feeling a twinge of something uh, like jealousy. Lillian was tiny, just a, a little peanut of a thing. She was what I had originally imagined my baby from China would be like before the referral, before the 25 pounds of baby had been placed into my arms. I had dreamed of a tiny little Chinese baby, a gymnast, I thought, with a <laughs> little bit of racism and a lot of hope. <laughs> Looking at Debbie hold Lillian, I thought... I guess she got the gymnast. Oh, well. <laughs> and I wondered for a minute, what if things were different? What if my file were somewhere else in the pile and I was standing in that room now holding Lillian? At the going away party two weeks later, I'd pick Lillian up to hand her back to Debbie and, and be startled at how scrawny and insubstantial she felt. Two weeks carrying Sally around had made me love her chubby thighs, and now anything else felt wrong. But I wasn't there yet that first day with Sally, and I'm sure it, just, it wasn't just me. We all were sort of looking around trying to reassure ourselves that we got the best baby, the cutest baby, the baby meant just for us. Actually, not all of us. Standing in the center of the chaos was an island of tranquility, Alex and Karen and their new baby, Naomi. Alex and Karen had asked the rest of us to please give them some privacy. They were Buddhist, and they had said that they wanted to welcome Naomi into their family quietly and calmly in an adoption version of a silent birth. Tony and I had nicknamed Alex and Karen Crunchy One and Crunchy Two <laughs> because they were um, really crunchy. Um, I know our nicknames were all judgy, but as I was looking at them now, the three of them in a sort of group hug swaying back and forth, all my judginess went away. They both looked so happy, and even Naomi looked happy in the arms of her mother reaching up to touch her father's face, take a file from pile A and a file from pile B, make a family. Seven years later, the children have become ours. At our yearly reunions, it's always amazing to see how they still remain themselves, the bundle 
of Chinese-made DNA. We first met seven years ago, but now they've taken on our mannerisms, our patterns of speech. Jade, for instance, um, has the same deadpan delivery as her mother Kathy, who told me all those years ago that Marie Osmond is a, you know. <laughs> Sally um, is the most beautiful. <laughs> I know you probably think I'm just saying that because I'm her mother, but believe me, the baked Alaska has grown into a classic Chinese beauty. I'd like to think that in the matching room in China, they saw Sally's beauty and grabbed our file thinking, these attractive people will know how to help her navigate the <laughs> special joys and burdens of the exceptionally beautiful. <laughs> but when I'm not being so superficial, um, I wonder if it was something else that they read over my generic application but paused at my picture. Could they see it in my face? The fact that I knew my way around a therapist's couch? Did just that little glint of crazy in my eyes tell them that I would be able to finally recognize that Sally's unsmiling face was the result of deep trauma? Being abandoned at birth and spending her first year in an orphanage where, uh, where the baby to nanny ratio was nine to one had left her with some damage that required therapeutic intervention. Some babies adjusted easily, uh, thriving in their new families, but Sally was a kid who wasn't gonna heal on just love alone. Did some Chinese bureaucrat know that? Sense that this was the right match the therapy-loving mommy with the therapy-needing baby? We'll never know. Ancient Chinese secret and all that. At last year's reunion, I was standing with Debbie watching Lillian do flips on the grass. <laughs> it turns out she really is a gymnast. <laughs> She's in some pre-Olympic training <laughs> program. And Debbie tells me that she and Ichabod Crane, I still secretly call him that, are even considering moving to another state <laughs> to be closer to a better coach. I remember a conversation I had with Debbie at one of our first reunions where she was telling me about their bedtime routine, where they read to Lillian book after book, all the books she wants. I was horrified. No, Debbie, listen to me. Three books, tops. You're setting a dangerous precedent. You'll never have any time for yourself. I've had 42 years to myself, she said to me. Now it's all about Lillian. Okay. <laughs> Do it your way. And as I watch Lillian flip and twirl with amazement, I think, oh God, what would Lillian have become in my house? I would have crushed the Olympian right out of her. <laughs> I remember a conversation I had with Maggie and Sally just the other day where I was lamenting the fact that they have no appreciation for I Love Lucy. I made Maggie watch an episode, but she just didn't get it. <laughs> That's because you haven't given it a chance, I said. You guys are so busy with school and stuff that there's no time to really commit, really get into it. Uh, maybe, I said, in August, we'll take two weeks and you guys will just devote yourselves to it. I was really getting into it, this genius idea I was having of TV camp, when Sally stopped and said, you said you were going to sign me up from gym gymnastics camp in August, Mom. I turned to her. Learning a perfect cartwheel isn't going to change your life, but appreciating the comic genius of Lucille Ball could. <laughs> and I really meant it. 
So as I watched Lillian tumble on the lawn while her Chinese sisters and their parents watched in amazement, I thought, China got it right. They really did. Take a file from pile A and a file from pile B. <laughs> <laughs>